episode 100 of the Telly Award-winning podcast, coming at you like mad, bad Leroy Brown, bringing you the baddest creators in the whole damn town. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. I am Rylan Grant, screenwriter, Ringo Award-winning creator of fine comics like Aberrant, Banjax, and Napa, Shang Origins, the other west in the dark, the man on the box to the left is... David Avaloni, uh comic book and television writer, um, SAG picket line walker, and uh, and coffee achiever. Always. Tremendous fan. Go SAG. Get your deal. Uh, if you missed any of our previous conversations, all 99 of our previous conversations, episodes featuring comic luminaries like David F. Walker, Matt Fraction, Stan Sakai, Kevin Eastman, Rodney Barnes, and many, many more, our entire catalog can be celebrated via YouTube, uh, Apple Pods and other purveyors of worthwhile ear cracks. So double on back and check it all out. Um, great show today, man. Uh, oh, we have yeah. our, our 100th episode. We have uh, we have um, brought the All Stars back together, the uh, Writers Block Avengers, and we'll get to that uh, uh, soon. Um, but how you feeling, man? After you I'm know, good. Days? I mean, I'm uh, you know uh, we won the WGA won. Yeah, which I I had a feeling we would, um, because they need the shows. A friend of mine uh, proposed a conspiracy theory that I think is actually pretty likely, which is for 148 days the studios played around, or 142 days the studios played around with AI, generated some screenplays, looked at them, and went, ah, oh, fuck. That definitely happened. We're not. We're not winning this. We're not. Yeah. We can't. I, we can't shoot this. We at the bare minimum, we need someone to rewrite this thing. You know, page one. Uh, there's no way that I. You know, I'm not a conspirat. I don't have a greatly conspiratorial bent, but I think there's no way that didn't happen. I think there's no way they didn't try and go. Ooh. Well, well, yeah. I, I mean, huge blow also that there was this court decision saying that you couldn't copyright anything. That yes, that that is the other hidden. Yeah. Yeah. That is the other hidden thing that I think a lot of people missed the connection of yeah. three and, days, a day before they went back to the negotiating tables, the copyright office said you can't copyright something created by a computer. Yeah. And, and until this like joke of a Supreme Court ruins this, like they've ruined everything else. Uh, uh, we are um, we are on firm ground with that. So I think that, that yeah. had a lot to do with it. But um, but yeah, I mean, 100 episodes in, how are you feeling about, uh, you know, doing a hundred of these are you I, tired you know, are you, you worn out uh, are you it's been a hundred episodes in three and a half years three yeah. years and three months four months and uh that's not a that wasn't too heavy a load i don't think uh yeah. you know but uh we talked to a lot of amazing people um you know people that were old close dear friends of ours people that were collaborators of ours and people that were brand new you know um, episode 99, we had Preeti on, and someone I enjoyed the tweets of, and yeah. and it was literally a thing where I liked her, thought she was an interesting person with a great perspective, and then noticed she had written a Spider-Man thing, and went, yeah, she can be on the show. Like, easy. Yeah. Easy. We she, There is a comic book thing we can talk about. Great. Yeah. Great. That's a... But really, I, you know, I would have loved to have her on anyway, because I, I, you know, I, I enjoy her mind. I enjoy the way she thinks. It, and that's, there have been very, I won't say there hasn't been episodes where I've stared blankly off into space waiting for someone to be done talking. But 99.9999999% uh, of the time, 
It's been amazing. What's wrong about me saying that out loud? The only thing wrong is all the wrong people will think it's them. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. greatest bore we've ever had on was like, well, that's not me. I'm fantastic. <laughs> Whereas the most interesting person will be like, oh, David didn't like what I was saying. It's like, no, man, it wasn't you. I swear to God. Yeah, I, uh, I, I will say so. Hundred, hundred episodes. I don't know how many guests that is. <clears throat> that's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. It, it might be a couple of hundred. Um, there's only one person that is that is banned from the show that we will never have back that, that, <laughs> by by my account by my account. Maybe you have a different count. But I have one of my own. Yeah. Uh, it may not be. I don't think it's the same the, one. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, th yeah. there are people who maybe ran afoul for different reasons. Yeah. But there's only one person who came on and their behavior got them banned. Uh, oh, yeah. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, and, and, and so I think that's a pretty damn good ratio. Um, yeah. I am sure that uh, Stephen Colbert has spent way more time smiling at people he doesn't like than I have. Uh, <laughs> you know, not to compare us to in that field but uh when you're doing interviews especially with people you haven't met maybe you like their work maybe you just know that they have a solid professional relationship or re reputation i should say doesn't always extend to the personal reputation and also not to throw all the shade uh some people this is not where they shine some people are writers because they're not fantastic public speakers and uh there's nothing wrong with that um, there are there are people we haven't had on that I love yeah. uh, that just don't want to do it. like they, you know nothing against us nothing against the show but talking about what they do for an hour is a nightmare from them yeah. uh, is one not you know uh, if you had John Ford on this show he'd say I make pictures what do you, I don't know, I have nothing else to say about it yeah. <laughs> you know it's like and that's fair um, you know. Uh, I'm trying to remember where I read this recently, but someone was one a poet was once asked to explain a poem, and he just said, "So reread the poem." Yeah. <laughs> like, sorry, oh, I can't help yeah. you. Uh, you yeah. know, if the poem didn't explain itself to you, then I, it's not a poem for you, and I shouldn't have to tell you what what was in there. And again, totally, there's nothing wrong with that. Not everyone has to be chatty. It's all in there. Yeah, but. Um, um, some good moments, though, you know, I mean, oh, yeah. uh, you know, sitting there with uh, sitting there with Kevin Eastman, you know, holding my uh, holding the toys I got when I was, uh, you know, 10 years old. And or, he loves or, that. Or, yeah, yeah. He honestly, and, he honestly does. Yeah. Getting to tell him what that meant to me that, you know, that that was a uh, we, we had, um, you know, Sean Kanan on the bad boy of Karate from Karate Kid 3, you yep. know, uh, 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 a big formative thing when I was a kid. Um, getting to talk to him about his new books. That was great. Um, you know, uh, I mean, you know, talking to Rodney Barnes, like when, when, when winning time was just kind of getting up to speed and, yeah. um, you know, getting called in to do, um, you know, to, to, to kind of be the, the official interviewers for the, the Ringo awards and the red yeah. carpet guys for the Baltimore comic con. And, yeah. um, you know, and, and we, we managed to put a little hardware on the shelf, won a couple of awards, Yep. Um, you know, I, I, I think I covered this in the actual interviews, but, um, you know, we were, uh, you know, we, we charted a lot on the Apple podcast chart. We, we got all the way up to number 35, uh, in the arts category, which, you know, again, yeah. there, are, there are probably millions of, yeah, of arts. A lot of, hell, there are 35 podcasts called the writer's block. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like <laughs> if we were even, if we were even the number one podcast called the writer's block, that would yeah. be impressive. Um, yeah. Uh, and some of them have much bigger names on 
them than you and I. And I, you know, I don't yeah. think that's any kind of false modesty. I think it behooves anyone in the professional arts to have a finely tuned idea of their own fame and popularity and reach. Because uh, getting that wrong can be bad for you. <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, but, but yeah, but yeah, but but outside success aside, and and yeah. be, being the number one arts podcast in Norway aside, yeah, uh, uh, it has been embraced by the community that we love, and and that's and, important and, thing. And the the original construct, our mission statement, uh, uh, has been embraced. It has been a success. Um, you know, we wanted to bring people closer together. Uh, we we formed amid the pandemic. Um, mm -hmm. we missed, we missed the camaraderie. We missed getting together yeah. after a con and shooting the shit with creators and not having a set agenda. Uh, and so we brought that online and, um, and, you know, with that very low bar to clear, maybe I think, uh, you know, we, 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 we cleared it by miles. Oh, um, I, I, I absolutely think so. Yeah. And, and I, I want to particularly say this year we had our inaugural, uh, San Diego comic-con Saturday night. Uh, Bayfront Hilton party for uh, Writer's Block. And that's a very popular bar, and it was Saturday night. But there was a point mid-evening where we were responsible, like where a third of the people in that bar were former guests from the Writer's Block. And that at feels, least, yeah. at San Diego, that feels pretty good. Yeah. That, that, you know, that, that, that felt nice. Looking around the room and seeing pockets at tables and going, they were on the show, they were on the show, they were on the show, they were on the show. Uh, I think we even had a pretty good chance of someone who had been on the show who hadn't heard about the party randomly walking in. Yeah. Um, so, so all of that was uh, very excited. But I, we should I, no go ahead. Oh no, no, I was just going to say. I mean, the Hilton thing is interesting because it's like you know, I, I mean, I've been going there for years, and yeah. you know, and and you often feel like a passenger on the ship, but it's like we were. I felt like we were steering the ship that night, and I think that that's uh, yeah. that's a uh, that is a significant uh, achievement and a testament to. This, this enterprise, this community, all of that stuff. So Absolutely. Anyway, yeah. Well, we have a bunch of guests today. We're doing the talk show format where people will leave. They will come in in the middle. It's great. You're going to love it. I think we start with Barbara Dillon, Charlie Stickney, Richard Fairgray, and Ray Anthony Height are our first four guests. And I'm going to pop you over to that world right now. Welcome, everyone, to the 100th episode of The Writer's Block. We wanted to have some of our favorite people. I'm sorry we didn't get to you with the five-timer jackets a la Saturday Night Live, which would have been very appropriate for this crowd. I think everyone's been here at least four times. Uh, just going around, we are joined by Barbara Dillon, by Richard Fairgray, by Charlie Stickney, by Ray Anthony Height, and my co-host, Rylan Grant. How you guys doing? Hey, you know what I'm gonna do before we get going is uh, I just realized I still have the WGA have strike sign behind me. Do you uh, have a SAG strike sign? I don't have a SAG way? strike sign, but we are no longer on strike, so I'm going to eliminate this from the thing. Or should I leave it uh, uh, behind there? Uh, should I leave it behind me in solidarity with SAG? Yeah, I'm not. Well, well Ryland, my question. Yeah. Is, I vote yes. Ryland, yes. is any is anything else in your background nostalgic for a time that has passed? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's just it's all I was I, I went down to I went down to Target and I just sort of threw these things uh, up on the wall recently. But um, yeah, I'm I like I really want to light this on fire, but uh, I don't know, I don't know. 
Uh, I don't know. I think leave it there. Leave it there for now. We're with you, Sag. So, all right. But but I digress. It is a show of digressions. Yes. So, uh, you know, I wanted to start off. We've been doing this uh, since, what, April, May of 2020? Uh, Ryland asked me if I would do this thing with him. And it was very much a pandemic. We have nothing better to do except stare at the walls kind of uh, thing that we launched and now we're a hundred episodes later and three years and one president and uh, 91 uh, indictments and uh, a lot of things. Uh, a, a, a pandemic, a yeah. strike. We're on uh, our third or fourth uh, speaker of the house of representatives, possibly fifth. I don't know when this will air, <laughs> you know, so it's yeah, entirely I, possible. Anything, anyone could be, I could be speaker of the house. Really, well, yeah. you know, uh, By I mean, the time this uh, runs. Hopefully not um, Trump. But but, yeah. but 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 let's let's get the highlights in before before we do it. So a telly, a communicator award. Yes, uh, we have charted as high as number thirty five on the Apple Arts podcasts uh, uh, chart, which is quite the feat because there are literally, I don't know if it's tens of thousands of arts podcasts or or or, or hundreds of thousands. It is a lot. We have been the number one arts podcast in Norway. We're huge in Norway. We nice. got that going for us. T-shirts coming. So it it is it has been great, uh, and it has been great because uh, uh, creators, um, comic book folk like you have joined us uh, in this intellectual discourse. So um, we wanted to get you back on and, and uh, celebrate. And for, in the in the outside chance that someone is a first time uh, caller, first time listener, comic book folk like you, who are Barbara? Tell us, tell the kids at home a little bit about yourself. Sure, absolutely. I'm Barbara Dillon. I am the co-founder and editor-in-chief of Fanbase Press. We are both a comic book publishing company as well as a comic book journalism organization. And we've been around since 2010. Very nice. Very nice. Oh, there's the award. <laughs> there, There's the award. That's Barbara will also be the good. Dean Martin of this, this call because, like, I don't know if anyone remembers uh, uh, talk shows in the 70s when someone didn't want to be on for more than like the first block they would be like you know i gotta i gotta catch a plane i'm 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 going i got another thing across town steve martin in an early appearance i think it was on the tonight show did one of those and then came back two commercial breaks later and was like i i didn't have anywhere to go but it, it's so cool when dean martin does it i really wanted to but i got a show to do at the tropicana like he's like i got nothing i was just gonna go home and sit alone and so can i can i please come back on the couch uh and richard your turn uh i spent a lot of my time sitting alone on a couch uh i'm richard fairgray i'm a former children's and all ages graphic novelist and now i do dirtbag books for ladies and gays very nice and charlie stickney uh charlie stickney former direct market publisher and now uh independent creator who does titles like white ash glarian and helps advocate for comic book creator rights and writer rights everywhere very nice. And Ray, Ray Anthony? Uh, I am Ray Anthony Height. I've done a bunch of stuff for a bunch of people who, uh, you know, either appreciate it or they don't. Um, <laughs> they, That's I'm good. Worried, that covers uh, a lot of us. You know what? Yeah, right? It's it's usually the theme of our, our ilk here, right? So uh, hopefully, though, I've been in, in some good company, present company. And, uh, you know, with some brilliant creators, but uh, I'm mostly known for Marvel comic stuff like Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, um, 
uh, Star Wars Dr. Afra, uh, Wakanda Forever. And I am also a newly, freshly, an independent creator um, known for Midnight Tiger, which is coming out beginning of 2024. So, From Studio Sky Tiger. Did I get that right? Yes, my new company. Uh, but it will be through CEX Publishing. Let's not forget that. So, okay. Good Good to know these things. So, you know, I think the most obvious thing to, to, to talk about first, uh, and I will start with Barbara because she's got a show with Tropicana at 10 o'clock, um, uh, is where where have you been and where have you come in the last 100 episodes? Where, you know, wow. like... It's, what's 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 happened to you since 2020 and where do you find yourself in october of 2023 i think if i recall correctly my first episode was with kevin eastman you were on our second episode and you were paired with kevin eastman yeah i was because you were a powerhouse yes i was heavily pregnant with twins at the time (laughs) (laughs) as i was just reminded about uh visually See, and yet you didn't call them Raphael and Donatella. Yeah, but yeah, so, yeah. So, so you have set the bar high. You literally made two people. Yes, uh, since we started manufactured this thing. humans. I did. Yes. Um. But um. On the comic book front, we've put out a number of books. We have been extraordinarily fortunate to be uh, recognized by organizations like the Eisner Awards and the Harvey Awards for some of those books. Um. But ultimately, we are just continuing to tell as many. Um, wonderful and impactful stories as we can through the sequential art medium. And we're hoping to continue um, promoting stories, not just of our own creators, but those throughout comic book and other entertainment media. So um, we're just plugging along. Yeah. And do you feel like you're in a better space three years later? Do you feel like, cause you know, we all took a, we all took a pretty big hit in 2020. I'm fond of saying that since 1946, it is very hard. To, I can't think of anything that is a, global ptsd absolutely where Um, no matter where you live no matter what you did something bad happened to you you had a bad experience friend of yours died like yeah it was inescapable i think where do you feel three years later sure i i think that i'm in the best place that i can be but i fully acknowledge that we are all on a healing journey post pandemic or not even post pandemic yeah continuing pandemic um but um I think that we likely won't be able to recognize or process or acknowledge what those impacts are to many of us for years to come. So, um, but I think that we have through this podcast and through other um, networking connections, we have built a stronger community because of it. Uh, That may be a digital community rather than being able to meet as frequently in person as we'd like. But I think that on a whole, as as independent creators, I think that's what we do. I think that we uh, forge new ground and build new pathways, uh, just because that's that's what we do and that's what we have to do to survive in the industry. Yeah, that, that, that digital point is very interesting because it really struck me when I mean, all of us were together one way or another at San Diego Comic Con, and it had been a very long time since that had happened physically. Like we had we had seen some people here, or seen some people there. And, um, you know, we had, uh, I mean, we saw each other other places, but we did have a writer's block mixer where basically all of us were there. Um, and it was like a family atmosphere. I mean, we were, uh, you know, I, I, I go, I go to Comic-Con every year and of course we're close and of course we're together, but it's like, we, we had never been more together as a group 
um, as a comic book family, I think, than we were this past Comic Con. Um, and I think it's, you know, it, it, it's funny. I mean, it, um, you know, before the pandemic, we could have seen each other in person, uh, you know, whenever we wanted to. Um, but you get kind of complacent and you get wrapped up in your life and you don't make the effort and you exchange emails or whatever. But what the pandemic did was it 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 forced us into this place where we really had to to be active. You know, we had to figure out how to connect and stay connected. And and, you know, we had things like the the fan base press, you know, weekend morning call uh, that I have to miss because I have to teach karate to a bunch of uh, angry <laughs> children. Um, uh, but we had podcasts like these and, and, and we really, I mean, that is, there was a lot of negative that happened. One of the positives, uh, were that we had to force ourselves to sort of rebuild and remake the community and figure out what that meant. And I think that we saw, you know, we, we, we you know, we, we sort of reaped the rewards of all of that work uh uh at this comic con that was that was very interesting yeah, to me. i think that's true and i think it's it is worth you mentioned it in passing but it's worth calling out that around the time that we started this podcast barbara you and brian your husband started a saturday morning call zoom call i think uh with anyone who wanted to join in the comics community and it's you know there's kind of a core group we're not joined by a lot of uh newcomers but i do want to uh if you look at Fanbase Press's socials, you will see a link to that Saturday morning uh, thing. And if you're a comics creator and you're listening and you want to, you know, vent or talk or be heard or listen to a bunch of other comic creators, show up uh, on a Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific, 11, 12, 1, 1 p.m. Uh, Eastern. And no, I'm not going to do the math for Mountain and Central. Um, and it's In a, between it's a those three times. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 too much math. I'm a writer, um, so it's I, I, it was a it's been a real boom. I mean, I re, I remember very clearly at the end of that meeting, you said like, "How often should we do this?" And I immediately said, "Weekly, every week. We got to do it every week." Mm-hmm. And you know, everyone was being kind of shy until I said, "Then I don't know, maybe next month." And as soon as I said weekly, everyone's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, we um, yeah weekly. <clears throat> we need this all the time." So uh, I think that's a it's definitely a worthwhile so uh, so you, so, you, so you're taking credit for the the, the zoom then i'm <laughs> taking credit for being weekly yes Everyone else might have been, okay yeah yeah so yeah everybody it, else it, might have been yeah, okay with it yeah. being once a season yeah maybe uh, we'll rename it david avalone's but i was the, i was the desperate so. clinging one that needed people uh <laughs> and like oh no don't take this from me i need this every week what's wrong with you people uh Ray, how about you what's where i mean we heard a little bit in your intro that in three years you've you know you've come a very long way career-wise and made some very big decisions i mean it might be a, a massive backslide but um i also want to say i'm, I'm not going to be on the call this weekend uh sorry barbara so that's now seven weeks in a row i've missed um rylan's teaching me karate fair enough because uh, <laughs> you are an angry child <laughs> It's mostly handheld chainsaw based. That's that's yeah. just a, that's a joke for the people. It's a green room joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a green room joke. But, but yeah, um, Ray, what what about your uh, your evolution the last three years? Ray Anthony. Uh, oh, sorry, whoa, I missed whoa. her. I thought you said Richard. I'm sorry, Ray. I cut you. Sorry. Off. I actually thought that that he said Richard too. So <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a huge change over the last three years. Is that Richard Fairgrave became Ray Anthony Height? It was a weird. Yeah. I just shortened Richard Fairgrave. I'm all for the upgrade. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> yeah, definitely I'm the upgrade. 
yeah. So, um, no, you know, for me, a lot of big changes, you're right. Um, I've decided to leave uh, the safety net, which always had a hole in it of uh, corporate comics, um, to just, you know, put everything into what I'm doing, my own properties, my own IP, and just remember what it was like to have fun uh, doing comics. And I was on a recent interview where, um, you know, it was one of those reminders before I, I did my major break-in or whatever, I was already doing comics on my own. I was writing and drawing them both. And somewhere along the lines, you read enough Wizard magazines and you hear enough, you know, things uh, uh, for submissions, they're like, well, you got to pick one discipline. Now, I came along during the time where I was reading uh, manga pretty regularly as a kid, mm -hmm. uh, before it was super popular here in the States. And, um, you know, also in the 80s, where it was the big boom for independent creators, you know, uh, the Jeff Smiths and, you know, uh, Mike Barons and, you know, Steve Rudes and um, so I, it wasn't unheard of for creators to uh, do their independent thing and do all of the work. Um, so, you know, that, that I forgot about that. I, I just, I drank a lot of the Kool-Aid, mostly because I was a fan. And in the past three years, the realization of stuff I used to do before I broke in have really been bubbling to the surface. Mm -hmm. um you know and it's been fun i have no absolutely no regrets i i feel like where i am in my career i owe to the marvel and dc i just started doing work at dc last year or or the end of the end of 2022 something like that and um you know behind the scenes there was a big push for me to move over to dc and i wanted to do dc work i hadn't done it in my 20 years or almost 20 years of, of mainstream work and my last one will be the Aquaman the Lost Kingdom tie-in of the Black Manta story that comes out the end of this month uh, but my editor who is awesome was like you know I really wanted this to be your introduction into DC and all that <laughs> so much has gone on the, the universe has basically told me no dude you're done with corporate at least interiors right um so, you know, you're done with that. You need to move on. You have a lot to give and, and that's it. I think it, it, I forget sometimes it's very different for writers and artists in terms of how much doing licensed work, doing work for, you know, big comic book companies eats up your life. You do not have time to do something else. You know, yeah. I, I can write Elvira comics and do an indie comic and it's, I have the time. I have the headspace. I don't know a lot of it, but I do. I do have the time to do it. And uh, with an artist, it's like interiors. Forget it. That's interiors on a monthly book. That's it. That's your job until it's over. And that's. Uh, I've always envied that though about about writers. Yeah. Like you could, you could write five books a month, you know, and and that's I would say, it's very painful. <laughs> well, I was gonna say right, like five books a month. That's like. You're stretching it, but to do three books a month is probably, uh, you could do that. Yeah, you know, when I broke in, that was actually, I looked at the economics and, you know, thank God my page rate has gone up for that since then. But I was like, I got to write three books a month. <laughs> like, without three books a month, this is not a, this is an adorable hobby uh, and an ego stroke. And it's not a 
job. It's not a thing that makes money and pays rents and things. Obviously, as page rates go up, it becomes less than that. But at an indie mid-level publisher rate, three bucks a month is about required. And that's maybe not living in Los Angeles or New York and paying our rents, you know. But uh, I want to I want to be mindful of Barbara's time. Do you I have to? Sadly, I do. I have to pop off to the Tropicana. So it was lovely to see everybody. <laughs> you know what? I I'm going to be at uh, Four Seasons. They don't have anything going on. There, but... Okay. Nice. <laughs> I just want to go to the spa. So yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. I'm just going to leave a bunch of room keys out, out for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us, Barbara. Thank Thanks, Barbara. Thank you for I'm... letting us use your rec- recorder. Of course. Uh, Congrats on 100 episodes. It's been such a lovely uh, experience to see all of you thrive uh, over the past uh, series of seasons. So congrats no, to you. you. And you. I adore everyone here. So good to see <laughs> we you. We adore you, Barbara. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Barbara. All right. And the recording continues with Barbara's thumb over the lens. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait. When you when you said she was going to go Dean Martin, I thought she was going to pretend to be drunk. That would have been yeah. very interesting. Oh, Which wow. look, it's a great trick. Yeah. It's a great trick. I have taken to bringing cocktails on stage with me for panels because, you know, yeah. even if it isn't a real cocktail, the audience, the audience spots you a little bit for coherence. Yeah, exactly. It, it sets the bar kind of low, you know, so it's like, yeah. oh, well, you know, he was, he was, you know, so. Yeah, exactly. Richard, tell us about your last three years. Is anyone else wondering if Barbara is just sitting there with her? <laughs> yeah, I totally, she's yeah. totally doing that. Um. I mean, I, I, I got to know all of you, uh, I guess. I I had a pretty promising career going in children's books and middle grade horror stories. And uh, over the course of the pandemic, I just kind of lost all enthusiasm for that and had enough shitty experiences with publishers that I, uh, I wouldn't say walked away. I would say deliberately tried to burn every bridge or get fired if I could. <laughs> Um, it's a, it's, that's it's that's more of a runaway than a walk away. But the, you know, the day that my last middle grade book came out, I refused to acknowledge it in any way on social media, and all I did was post drawings of dicks. Um, so no, I'm doing 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 good, just making great decisions left, right, and center. Uh, and uh, my my Richard sucks imprint has been going for what nine months now, and I have seven books out. So. Mm-hmm pretty good um i don't know i mean like my life hasn't really changed that much i still draw 20 hours a day um, and i'm in the same room i'm just surrounded by more boxes than i used to be and the boxes are literally visible it's It's a a lot of boxes back there i'm I'm in the middle of uh fulfillment for x-vibes of frankenstein right now right that that'll be finished this afternoon i think nice Um, i want to ask ray a question ray did you and i meet at fan expo vancouver last year we did not. I thought we met uh, at WonderCon, but I'm not sure. I know. Um, I, I'm. I'm. Tr- I. I know when we met. You. We had a discussion about being fed up by editors and deadlines. Yes. <laughs> and, and look, I love that the location. We're both off, but that definitely that discussion was kind of like. Well, you. I want to. I just want to sort of thank you for it. You were. You you basically described an email exchange to me where uh, an editor on a Friday afternoon asked you to have something for them by the time they started work on Monday. And you simply replied, re- replied very politely. 
that you would not be doing that. And I remember thinking, and you're allowed to do that in comics? You you yep. you don't get sent to jail? Um huh. and and I Com uh, comic jail. It's like casino jail. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um and wow. and uh that day I sent a message to my editor uh, explaining it has been nine months since you asked for a two page synopsis that you have not yet sent me notes on. It would be unreasonable for you to expect that I will ever draw this book. So thank you for that. You know that it doesn't happen a lot, but I think we get pushed into corners where we're scared to speak up. Mm -hmm. So um, I think the moment where you start realizing, I feel like it's one of those movies where it's like the your 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 young life flashes before your eyes, and all the times that you've had to have courage. So there's a flash of a bully or a flash of you know some teacher you stand up to. Then here's your boss giving mm -hmm. you shit. And mm -hmm. then you're like, you know what? I don't actually have to take this. Yep. And there's right? so much more pressure when it's like comics are, in theory, other people's dream job. You know, it's true. So we feel like we have to just be grateful for the fact that we get to do this at all, which I guess we should be. But also, like, that doesn't mean people get to treat us like shit. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we, yeah. we love it. And it's the reason why we take a lot of the shit. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, and we want to do this job really to the best of our abilities, but that sometimes doesn't play out. Sometimes the work's got to get done, and the the I call it feeding the the deadline beasts, right? Because the fans want things periodically, the editors want things periodically. That's how you keep the machine going. Mm -hmm. As creators, however, if we're we're focusing on speed versus quality, and the book comes out, we meet the deadline, then we read the book, and then we're like. Yeah, yeah. Imagine you if know? I had more time. Yeah. Imagine it's, if I had more time. It is yeah. funny it's though. Not even a lot of time, right? It's just just that like that that one extra pass of tweaks, that that two extra yes. hours per book. Yeah, yeah but it, it yeah, there's an old saying that you know works of art aren't finished, they're only abandoned. Mm. Uh and you know, uh unless you're George Lucas, in which case it takes <laughs> 30, 40 years to let go of a movie you made in 1977. But uh you know, I think you know, I I enjoy deadlines to the degree that they focus the mind, uh, just like a page, a paycheck will sure so focus the mind. I do think that sometimes I allow a lot of my deadlines are self. This is a psychological maze that I've tried to reason myself out of. A lot of my deadlines are self-imposed. My editor will ask, "When can you have a thing?" and I volunteer something that would require absurd round the clock <laughs> effort and then, oh, how about friday oh yeah i can friday's great and then i kill myself when it's not done by friday and then i'm like hey asshole you could have told him wednesday next week and he probably also would have said yes give your and it would be different i think all of us are sort of pathologically incapable of phoning it in especially yeah. when your name is on it and when it's creator-owned stuff. Um, you know, I've been lucky that things have been, you know, the art's been going slow on drawing blood because it's given me months and months and months to write books that really mean something to me. And they would have been very different if I had written them in a week than thinking about them for three months and then writing them and then, you know, another month of rewrites and going back and picking at it. Uh, as opposed to the stuff that I do in two, three days, which can also be great. Some stories are, that's the other, some stories are much easier to, 
tell than others. The the bind I've been in lately is I had two first issues due within like a couple of weeks of each other. And one was a whole new series and a whole new world and a character I've never written before. And that's not a one week gig. <laughs> a a no. first issue of a of full of world building is not a thing that's like the 35th issue of Elvira I've ever read. David, repeat that. Repeat that for the people in the cheap seats. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because world building is beasts. And right? and also if you if you do it, all of the people who are if you think of the most famous world builders in pop culture of the last 30, 40, 50 years, one, they had all the help in the world. Yeah. And two, they left pretty unbuilt worlds when they started. The first episode of Star Trek does not have the United Federation of Planets in it. That gets mentioned about five or six episodes in when some writer goes, have we ever mentioned the political structure behind Starfleet or not so much? Like, is this just a eh, futuristic utopia, cities under domes? Uh, who, who knows? Who knows what it is? Um, nothing about Vulcan culture was terribly worked out until Theodore Sturgeon wrote an episode in the second season. <laughs> and all of the stuff you think of, of like, oh, well, you know, Spock is this and Spock is that. Not for the first 25 episodes, he wasn't, <laughs> you know, not even a little bit. That shit, you know, comes, is feathered in slowly and slowly. And, you know, one of the great things about Star Wars was that nothing was explained. Everything was treated casually and you didn't like, you didn't know what the Clone Wars were. You didn't know what anything was. And explaining it hasn't been great always. <laughs> yeah. The world building backed up by the cool casual, oh, what was that thing that went by in the background? Now every writer on Star Wars is like, I have to explain that thing that was in one shot in uh, Star Wars. I uh, have to do six episodes. I love how David is is quietly comparing Star Trek versus Star Wars. Are you guys picking that up? No, but, it, but I'm saying they both are community. <laughs> they're both community projects. Is For my sure. Point. And when you're writing a comic book and drawing a comic book, there are two or three of you. Maybe the editor is helpful. I think we uh, can all agree that Star Trek and Star Wars are essentially the same. I agree completely. Absolutely. Uh, and now let's give Charlie a chance to talk about his last three years. And I know he's been listening. Star Sorry, Charlie. No, no, that's that's totally fine. I, I think, uh, you know, Richard has now given you the... Uh, the poll quote that you can use to get a hundred thousand comments on this particular episode. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I also want to clarify, you know, we let off and I'm sorry that Barbara has left because I think it's important to note the fact that she had two to three kids, uh, you know, or two kids before the pandemic. I mean, is that really that much better than the fact that Richard's, you know, created three comics, you know, like, like there's, there's, you have to give birth. So I just want to make sure that those things are evenly weighted. I just want to. I want to just do a quick number check on how many comics I've done, and I, I'm I'm not going to give an answer right away. I'm going to have to go to a quick count. But how dare you say it's three? I've had three come out. <laughs> well, yeah, I, 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 I heard seven in nine months, which is it's, which is quite the number. It's um, seven seven books from the Richard Sucks imprint. Yeah, 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 yeah. Look, sure. look, I was trying to give some deference to Barbara because she only had two children. <laughs> you didn't yeah, want like to embarrass her. If I wake her, things yeah. up too yeah. much yeah. in terms yeah. of what you've done, Richard, like it makes her look really bad. Sure. I'm the, yeah. I'm the writer two lives and into the, world. the artist. I'm the writer <laughs> and the artist. I do both parts of the child yeah. production. 
Yes. So you're uh, saying you're the sperm and the egg is what I am. Yeah. Like yes. you told you took the words right out of my. I was literally just going to yeah. say that. <laughs> Richard, all, this is this is why this is the problem. We got we got five guys in here. Yeah. Right? And it's uh, like what yes, are we doing much, here, fellas? Much much yeah. like frogs, one of us yes. spontaneously became both. So like yeah. yes, the, the the sperm and the egg is your second poll quote that you use. Yeah, yeah. R- 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 yeah. Richard is the seahorse of of. Yeah. Uh, of no, that's that, that's just going to be my blurb on the back <laughs> of Richard's next book. Richard is both sperm and egg. David Avalone. <laughs> uh, yeah. So so anyway, like the the last couple of years has been really interesting for me because I came from another field to you know to start doing comics, and the other field was you know, the entertainment industry. So. You know, creating things. And I started out in the Kickstarter space because I kind of wanted to do my own thing. And then just as the pandemic was hitting in 2020, I had been picked up by Scout Comics because they wanted to put out my books into the direct market. And I was really excited about that experience. I wanted to see what that was like. And what was crazy was over the last three years, that led to me actually becoming publisher at Scout. Uh, as I got more and more involved as, as what was going on behind the scenes. And so for about two, two and a half years, I was helping run that company. Um, but, you know, underneath it all, it was it was a view into the direct market. It was a view into to publishing. It was a view into the, the, the internal conflict that I think a lot of publishers go through between trying to make money and trying to be fair to creators. And can those two things align? And, you know, I, I think that that, you know, for a lot of publishers, there ends up being sort of that good angel and that, you know, the devil on the shoulder or like it's the dollar sign and it's the artistic integrity and, and, and you're battling with those things. And um, for me, the entire time I was still on Kickstarter and that audience was growing bigger and I realized I didn't need the direct market as much as I enjoyed being able to put books out. It wasn't making me anywhere near as much money. Um, and, and the numbers were starting to be, at least for me, comparable uh, in terms of how many units I could move, say, at Scout versus how many units I could move through a Kickstarter campaign. Um, and, and, and so all of those things led to a calculus of me, you know, similar to um, you know, what, what Ray was talking about was stepping away from corporate comics. For me, it was sort of stepping away from my role as a publisher to focus back in on you know, a place where I thought I could do more good for myself, but also for other creators uh, in that space of going direct to consumer, of building a fan base there. And I feel like that has become a movement that has only grown over the last three years to the point where um, I would say like in 2019 and before, Kickstarter was this thing that was starting to gain some legitimacy, but really still half the people there were people who would never be able to be published by a publisher. And it was, in a sense, the minor leagues. Whereas now I see it as one of the three main pillars of the comic book industry. I mean, you have the direct market, you have the bookstore market, and you have Kickstarter. And a lot of the bigger companies, uh, the publishers, you know, Boom is on Kickstarter, Skybound's on Kickstarter, IDW's on Kickstarter. I mean, every publisher is looking to have a presence in that space because it's become a very lucrative market. So, you know, the entire comic industry is going through transition. And I think we as creators also need to sort of figure out 
which of these different avenues makes the most sense for us as creators, but also for the projects that we are doing. And, you know, it's stop trying to fit a, a square peg in a round hole. You need to go where your people are mm-hmm. and you need to connect with them. And so like, so that's been really interesting for me over the last couple of years to sort of be writing. I, I guess in some ways I was kind of on, on, on the front of, of, of the movement um, just by happenstance, you know, from when I came in and sort of evaluated where things were, but, you know, it's enabled me to have a good foothold in Kickstarter, which I think is a leg up over a lot of newer creators coming to the space. But, but in general, I think the industry is much like the entertainment industry. And now that the writer's strike is over and the industry is going to figure out what its new place is because there was a bit of overexpansion, the comic book industry also ballooned up. It's going through contraction. And all of us need to sort of figure out what the best path forward is for our, what we do and the kind of things we tell want to tell stories. I think it's very interesting and telling. Um, I mean, I will add my my name to the list. I mean, it, at least four of us here have kind of left traditional publishing behind uh, in a uh, in a very significant way. It's not to say that I'll never have a book in a comic shop again. Um, but you know, I I didn't have the best experience. Uh, I didn't make uh, you know uh, made very little money uh, uh, going that route. Um, and, uh, you deal with a lot of egos and, you know, a lot of nonsense, um, that you don't have to deal with when you do it, you know, on your own, uh, and you can do your story in your own way. Um, and you have, when you go the Kickstarter route or you, you know, uh, you have more meaningful interactions with your fans, I think, uh, it it becomes more of a, a, a deluxe, uh, experience for everybody. I think, um, there's a lot to be said for it. You make a lot more money. Um, I feel a lot more fulfilled and relaxed. Um, I think, uh, you know, for me, a lot of the properties I create, you know, again, I, I mean, my first job is, is, you know, I'm a screenwriter, I'm a TV guy. So, you know, I, I want properties that are, are marketable, uh, in terms of IP. And I feel like I'm in a better, much better place to do that when I control everything. Right. Um, but you know, uh, I pretty often have meetings and interactions with editors at publishers and, um, and, you know, I even, you know, get down the road with some of them. Uh, and then they, they fall apart for various reasons. Um, uh, a, a lot of times it's, it's me, you know, looking at a deal and saying, this doesn't work for me. Why would I sign this? You know, and, and, uh, and you end up in a place a lot of the time where it's like, I'm not entirely certain what this publisher can do for me right now. I mean, there, there there's something to be said for it. You know, I mean, uh, uh, the cachet that comes with being in a comic shop, uh, that's something. I've already been there. I, I, I don't need that anymore. Ooh, we are, we are, we are being joined. I was hoping Amanda was going to be able to join us. <laughs> ah! is. Good morning, Amanda. We have Hi, just... how are you? We're great. Thank you so much for for stopping in. We we're really trying the talk show format of like. And our next guest, uh, Amanda Dybert. Uh, we were just talking about the the balance, uh, which I know you, uh, this is a thing you've dealt with, of working on uh, projects with publishers and doing independent stuff and doing your own thing and walking your own way, uh, doing what I call playing with the action figures. I think the first time I was aware of your work in comics, it might have been. So DC Girls 
Was that, that it? Seems likely. Yeah. DC yeah. Superhero Girls. Yeah. 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 You know, and then I saw, you know, a bunch of all of the other stuff you've done. But uh, quickly tell the kids at home uh, who you are and uh, where where you are one of our most this this show. Everyone who's on this episode has been on four or five times minimum. So seems right yeah hi i'm amanda dybert um i write a lot of comic books and some tv i currently am doing some star wars hyperspace stories darkwing duck um some batman and scooby do some teen titans go i've got a horror comic with a uh, storm king illustrated by my wife cat stags it's called death mask um that Amazing. graphic novel just came out and it's uh, really fun but yeah just do a whole bunch of random stuff i want to make it incredibly crystal clear that it's not batman comma and scooby-doo it's batman ampersand scooby-doo like that's correct working together the scooby gang and batman together like accredited writing partnership yeah (laughs) exactly they're a team not uh with complete with mystery machine I it's like great. that Amanda and I, I think this is now our third appearance on this show together. And, I think that's correct. And Amanda, I think you're the only person here who I haven't met in real life. Is that right? Yeah. It's because I only exist on the computer. I'm yeah, not yeah, yeah. You, May you, I? Are, <laughs> you, are my, you are my Twitter friend. That is. <laughs> I have seen her in person. I know she's real. And her wife is real. And her beautiful daughter, Viv, mm-hmm. also real. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love seeing a kid grow up at comic book conventions. I know it's fun. We're taking her to New York with us next week. So that's amazing. I love, I love the last like three or four times I've come to a booth with either you or your wife. I've said, where's Viv? And you point down and she's under the booth, mm-hmm. either drawing or playing a video game. Mm-hmm. She is, she is the cutest child. Nothing. She is amazing. Uh, what the basic question we started out everybody with is uh, you know we started this in 2020 and not long after the pandemic and uh how have the last three years been for you and where have you where have you come where have you landed uh at the end of all of that I mean you know it's it's been a weird three years but I I feel fortunate in that you know I was able to kind of continue to work and kind of use that as an outlet uh, for how um, insane everything was making me feel, which is really good. And so, you know, I'm mostly, I'm, I'm feeling good about things. It's nice to, it's nice to see people in person again. It's nice to go back to conventions again. Um, but I feel like, I feel like I, I fared the last three years pretty well, all things considered. So I, I do think uh, work from home writers and comics artists, uh, you know, we, we've been trained for this shit. We've been trained for lockdown our entire professional lives. And it's not, uh, it also is the, the fun of one of the funnier side effects is how many meetings have we now learned could have been a phone call or a zoom <laughs> well i mean that's the thing i'm like good luck ever getting me back. well because i you know i also write for tv and before um that meant always like going somewhere and writing yeah. for me a lot of times and um most of that has stayed now that everybody realizes that we can work from home in zoom room a lot and whatever like i've been kind of fortunate that i'm not having to 
uh, be in person that much, which I much prefer. I, I like to be at my house with my own coffee and, you know, and stop in the middle of the day and walk to my daughter's elementary school and see how her day was going and come back home and keep working. Like it's, it's been, um, actually a real boon to my work-life balance so I'm like good luck getting me anywhere (laughs) the the greatest development is that the general meeting in Hollywood has moved on to zoom right it has stayed on zoom because it used to be you know you would have to drive drive somewhere for 45 Mm -hmm. minutes to an hour you Mm -hmm. have an hour-long meeting and then it takes you an hour to get back no matter where you are the meeting could be down the street in la it takes an hour to get to the drugstore yeah. a lot of the time so that is a three hour bite out of the middle of your day um you try to set the meetings early so maybe you have the late you know time but usually it's going to end up being like right after lunch or something like that so it would literally shoot you know it would shoot an entire day to shit um and then it is worse when okay you, you have a spec script go out uh, you know, agents, managers, they send it out to everybody, then everybody wants to meet you. Um, uh, and so you do something called the water bottle tour, where it is like wall to wall general meetings for whatever, a month, a month and a half. Um, and every single general meeting used to be drive for an hour, meet for an hour, drive somewhere else for an hour, <laughs> meet for an hour. Uh, so imagine just having an entire month, month and a half of your, uh, of your production time shot to hell. Um, it's miserable. Um, most general meetings go absolutely nowhere. Um, you hope to, you hope to convert, you know, I don't know, one of 50 into something meaningful. Um, you know, uh, hope to strike up an email relationship with somebody, something that pays off a year or two or three down the line. Uh, but most are a huge waste of time. Uh, but the idea that, you know, I can, you know, you guys don't know if I'm wearing pants right now, right? We could be having a general meeting right now. I could be sitting here and, you know, uh, uh, I, you know, again, we have our coffee, we have our comforts. I log off, I go right back to work or whatever. Um, that is wonderful. And so yeah. thank you. Pa- thank you, pandemic. <laughs> thank you, Zoom. Uh, um, yes. Thank you, logic and reason. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely been a positive change. I mean, that said, I I do like going out and seeing a human being every once in a while, but it's uh, it's better when it's your choice, yes, uh, and yes. when it's something truly worthwhile. And so, yeah, the water bottle tour thing. Before we made drawing blood into a comic, a not good agent set me and Kevin up with eight meetings in two days because he was coming up from San Diego. So we had to make it worthwhile. And five out of eight of those meetings were for people with people that we never should have met with. Yeah. They just wanted to meet Kevin. We never, they just wanted to meet Kevin. Yeah. Like we met with the <laughs> modern family. No, no. I looked around the room and went, this is Kevin, just heads up total waste of our time <laughs> before they walked in the room i was like these these people would never be interested in this show in a roughly a trillion years but they wanted to go home tonight and tell their kids they met the ninja turtle guy and that's why we're sitting here about to do our little monkey dance in front of uh in front of some people who couldn't care less and we'll be replaced with different people in five months yeah i realized i just dropped water bottle to her but for the uninitiated you go on all these meetings everybody gives you a bottle of water you always walk out with a bottle yeah. of water and the joke is okay well you know put all your bottles of water on a shelf um you know and you have 50 of them by the end of yeah. the 
the tour. So, you know, you could... if, you're, if you're polite enough <laughs> to take them with you when you leave, um, for me, they always ended up on the passenger seat floor yeah. of the car. Ryland, I will say for people who, who live in states where you can drink the tap water easily, yeah. they yeah. don't understand how valuable the water bottle tour really is. <laughs> yeah. well, there you go. And, and I also think, um, and, and Ray, you've been doing this long enough that you've seen a lot of the evolution and the changes in terms of how comics are made. Um, you know, I, I interned at Marvel way back in, in the 90s. And one of my jobs was literally photocopying um, new pages that came in and FedExing them off to uh, you know people to ink or to writers or you'd fax things and i feel like zoom being normalized the investment in the technology to make it better has really helped comics become even more international than it was before mm. and you're able to communicate with with creators and develop a bond with the people that you want to collaborate in a way that wasn't as easy uh, or as affordable as it is now where everyone can get a half hour zoom for free or you know you've got your FaceTime. so i think the advances in communication technology that have been normalized during the pandemic has really just sort of pushed the whole medium forward well and also in terms of sort of you know not to be pejorative about it but the global sweatshop concept of comic books uh usually a filipino artist would have to come to the united states to get uh uh, abused by DC. Uh, now they can stay in Manila uh, and still be playing, paying those Manila rents uh, while getting abused by DC. And, uh, you know, God bless. I mean, I think I've worked with a lot of amazing artists in the last nine years of my career, and I can think of maybe three that have been located in the continental United States and none in Los Angeles, California or New York City. Uh, because no one can afford to draw comics for the companies I work for and live in L.A. County or, uh, you know, or the five boroughs of Manhattan. Now, so, uh, I, I do just want to say that as, as the only person on here, I think, who, who lives in two different places, people in Hollywood have still not cottoned on to the idea that you can have a Zoom from a different city. Because regularly when people from here are communicating with me about when to have a Zoom call, they will say, and when are you going to be in LA so we can set this up? I spent oh. half my life in Canada and they still, like it the is, hierarchy of distance is gone for everyone. It is really funny how long it sometimes takes. I vividly remember in 1988, working for a post-production facility in Los Angeles and the president of the company, I was in the shipping and customer relations department setting up edit edit things guy uh, the president of the company walked into my office with a sheet of paper and a sheet of paper and said i need a driver to get this to the warner's lot and i said there's a fax machine behind the res the receptionist desk and he's like isn't that very expensive and i said more expensive than handing it to a teamster <laughs> and using gasoline I, I i don't actually think it's and he was the president of a, of a post-production company in 1988 did not understand how a fax machine worked and assumed a fax machine. He literally, it was like, we're using the transporter. Like, I don't know, I like, we're going to lose warp efficiency if we fax this thing to, to Warner Brothers. No, really, we'll, I think it might have been a dollar. You know, like, don't send the fax. It's, it's going to be great. So it, even things that we think of as very simple and very everyday things, wrapping your head around 
the non-physicality of the universe for want of a better word and like no we don't we can just do all of this with ones and zeros and video cameras and microphones and you know uh i, I miss the fax machine we used to do a, a, a prank when i was in high school where we would type out an entire page of fuck you fuck you fuck you over and over and then tape one end of the page to the other and put it through the fax and send it to the school's fax number on the first day of summer <laughs> vacation so it would just <laughs> just keep going nice that. nice that is a that that is that is a classic but uh yeah no i i managed to i i managed to jump over the fax machine in terms of having to own one i don't know how the rest of you like i managed to go straight from uh you know i'm gonna drive this over to you to i'm going to scan it and attach it to an email like i never I never broke down and, and did the fax machine thing. Uh, I do remember like having to go to a Rite Aid to use their fax machine at one point. Technology. And yeah, the idea of like art having to physically, like before, comic books were made and released before FedEx. That's Maybe. an amazing- When I worked in corporate America, I, yeah. I was scanning stuff via fax, sending it to Marvel, samples, Chris Allo. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, you know, who knows what I was doing during that time. I think I was mailroom or something. And I'm sending stuff early on via fax. And I just thought, uh, first of all, I got caught. I wasn't supposed to use, use the fax machine while I was temping there. But, um, but once I threw out like Marvel's name, there was one comic book fan, because this was before the movies, um they're like oh wow that's really cool so they allowed me to do it usually it's for uh you know executive people around i'm I'm some grunt in the in the mail room trying to not work in the mail room and do other things and i just remember that whole entire thing of like um having to go to fedex not fedex i'm sorry it was before it was bought by fedex kinko's So, you know, and that was a whole process. I would spend hours and hours and hours at Kinko's till almost midnight, um, getting stuff there, scanned and all that. They had the best equipment at that time just to make things happen. So when we got uh, a computer that was of note, it was like I had already done this. So, you know, in my family, it was like, oh my God, you know how all of this stuff works? It's like... You know, it's not a miracle. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so there is that sliding scale, I think, of computer understanding, especially generationally. But I always say everyone has the person that understands it at least slightly better than them. Like I have a guy that I call, but I know he has a guy that understands it slightly better than him. <laughs> like there's that that train of like, who do you call? And the fact that virtually everything is uh as long as you're willing to listen to someone's life story, uh, you can watch a how-to video on uh, YouTube um, uh, for for virtual. Like, I, I still get people asking me, how do I do this in Premiere? How do I do this in Final Cut Pro? And I'm like, do what? I, do you want me to go to YouTube and look it up for you? Yeah. It's like, how to do anything. How to tie your shoes is on YouTube. How to how to make an, a layer in Photoshop is on on YouTube. Yeah, I, 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 yeah I, I have fixed my dishwasher three times off of YouTube. I'm not a you know I, I I'm not very handy or anything like that. But I can flip my dishwasher over, you know, figure out where it's leaking, figure out where the component is, 
you know, and, uh, and save myself a couple hundred dollars. It's, uh, it's an incredible time to be alive. To be yeah. fair, if you flip you your two... dishwasher over, though, that's when it starks leaking, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, you, you gotta you remember to empty it before you flip water. it over. That's a yeah. pro tip for those uh, listening at home. Uh, yeah, I, I found that out in a YouTube video, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but to be fair, the YouTube video, it, like everyone knows how to tie their shoes, David. YouTube will teach you the coolest and best ways to tie your shoes. There, there you go. Yeah. I don't know. I'm seeing a lot of not able to tie their shoes uh, out there in the world. There is a video that will teach you why you should always push a door rather than pull a door if you're running away from someone that I have watched <laughs> so many times. I, I don't know why I find it so funny. That is that is a little that is a little fascinating. It has a lot Look, of 3D animation. I, I am going to throw out a, a, a new question, which is because uh, it's kind of the aside from the various old man yelling at cloud that I'm doing. Uh, I'll start with Amanda again. How how have the last three years changed how you go about things? Uh, uh, or have they, you know, aside from the not being in person of it all? Has it has it changed the industry for you? I mean, other than the yeah, other than the like fact that I can be more reclusive, uh, <laughs> which is, is a is a win. For Plus, me. it's a big it's uh, a win. <laughs> And I think probably I'm going to say for like most writers, probably that's just an across the board win. Um, but I think too, it um, created a, a good priority shift in me. Like I think, and part of this is probably also just like, as I grow older and put up with less and less bullshit. I mean, like there's always that component yeah. of things of like the older I get, the less BS I'm willing to put up with. And I love that about aging. Yeah. Um, but but I, it did really help me like realize like to um, during the pandemic, I did a few projects that were like for me things um, that was, it was kind of like a like in, in like the 2020 lockdown of it all. Like I, I did a few things that were really, to kind of save my sanity creatively, like made time for things that weren't just the things that pay the bill, which I also love doing. But, you know, we get in these grinds, we have these deadlines, and then it gets harder to do the stuff that it's like, oh, I've always wanted to do this, but it, I'm constantly pushing it back because I've got to hit all these things. And I started kind of prioritizing some of those things. And then it worked out. And then I was like, oh, I should make some more time for this because, hey, I wanted to like write this guided journal thing. And then I sold it. And like, um, you know, I, I wrote a, a screenplay that was just something I wanted to write. And it's, you know, who knows what'll happen, but it's shopping around right now. So at least there's some interest. Like, so it's like, it helped me reprioritize the things that I actually yeah. want out of like my creative fulfillment you know at like the things oh. that make me feel good about me and that i think has been a big win. yeah well you know that's an aging thing that's also very much not to overplay <clears throat> how the pandemic was for everybody but that's a very common near-death experience thing even if it's the mm -hmm. culture or the civil <laughs> or western civilization that has the near-death experience rather than you personally but yeah as you get older you absolutely reorganize your priorities and go what am i wasting you know, how much time am I wasting on this? Is this the best way to go about this? You know, you know, before you came on, Ray was talking about he's recently walked away very much from, you know, some work with the big two to open his own studio, do his own comics, do his own mm -hmm. content, because mm -hmm. 
you know, no time like the present. Right. And, mm -hmm. and yeah, mm -hmm. you, my father was asked about the whole, you know, art and commerce, uh, tango, uh, at a comp writers conference once in the eighties. And I remember him saying out of every three words, one for truth and beauty and two to pay the rent. Uh, and, uh, oh, you know, okay. and I, I, I think that's, uh, the professional arts, Coppola said this a few years ago, the professional arts is a very 20th century thing. The idea of someone like making a living, making art that is consumed by people. There isn't really mass culture in the same way. And this idea that we can have this middle class to upper, lower upper class of people who make our movies and our books and our TV shows. And everybody, of course, assumes that every writer is Stephen King, though I think the the recent strike undid that, I think, uh, powerfully and in a and in a very good way. But uh, but all that to say, it's like, yeah, you you do figure out what this is what I need to do to survive. This is what I need to do to pay the rent. And this is what I need to do to be sane. Yeah. What, 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 yeah. One of the one of the things that launched me, I, uh, you know, what God was it? 2000, 2005, I guess I won the final draft big break competition. That was the had a screenplay that won it and that launched me into to Hollywood. Um, but one of my prizes was I got to sit down with with Sid Field, got to drive up to his house and sit there and just spend the day with them. And it was it was awesome. Uh, uh, you know, he was he was a great guy. But but his his primary lesson, the thing that he like tried like hell to drill into me is you do one for them and then you do one for you one for them and one for you. It's the only way to like stay sane and stay fulfilled um he's like I, I could see it in your eyes you're a fucking artist artists die in hollywood <laughs> so 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 make sure you find time for art right um you know this is a trade um you are to a certain degree you know picking stuff up and setting it down picking stuff up and setting it down if the job only becomes that you will die a very slow and very agonizing death so find the soul food find all of that stuff so i think that that's important the other thing is, I, I think Amanda made this amazing, you know, point also um, about what we're talking about is is doing accounting. I think we like we we get into such this we get into this rhythm of running, and we don't stop. Uh, we don't stop to to take a look at where we've been and where we're going and what we need to adjust, what we need to tune up, all of those things, and. You know, uh, David, you very quickly likened it to a near-death experience. Like that is something that will shake us loose, right? We're 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 lost in the pattern. We're lost in the momentum of life and the momentum of bullshit. And a near-death experience will stop you dead in your fucking tracks and make you take a look around and be like, "Holy shit, where am I? How did I get here? <laughs> where am I headed? Oh, the, oh, there's an iceberg over there. I need to turn left." Um, we don't do that often enough and and it can take a near-death experience sometimes it can take a catastrophic cataclysmic ptsd inducing pandemic to do that for us right um because because we get lost in this um yeah. for some i i have a friend who just turned 30 um and it freaked her the fuck out you know <laughs> it, it it does it to us it happens when we turn 40 so, it happens yeah. it happens when when we turn 50 i can see it coming um there there are all these things where it's like, God damn, right? Ooh, I have an Amber alert coming. Oh, uh, that thing. A national oh, yeah, alert, yeah. alert thing. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's shaking me loose. I'm pretty sure that that just activated the five <laughs> there you go. in my brain and gave me leukemia. Yeah, yeah. 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 If, I remember, yeah. If, I, yeah. if I remember conspiracy.com, what they had to say about it, like, 
There was there was someone yesterday mm -hmm. saying that it was I can't oh, it wasn't leukemia. I can't remember what disease we all just got. Uh, but it was great. Yeah, it, but but yeah. So with any twelve step program, right? Yeah. Uh, a a a big part of it is is doing accounting, doing an inventory, uh, figuring out what you did wrong and what you need to make amends for, figuring out what you could do better, what you want to do moving forward. Um, that is the only way to put this awful, you know, part of your life behind you and move on and and pave new ground and all of that stuff. I uh, I try to do accounting. Um, I mean, what shakes me up is my birthday. I, I get to a year and I'm like, holy, holy hell. There's there's another there's another year gone. There's another nail in the coffin. Uh, what did I accomplish this year? Uh, I wanted to do these five things. I did three of them. Great. Let me pat myself on the back. But what the fuck am I going to do about these other two? Right. Um, and how about these other things I was thinking? I think that's very important. Um, you know, what, what, what also, what Zen taught me is to, I mean, if you can do a momentary accounting, great. Uh, we're not that we're, we're not that tuned in generally. Uh, if you can do it at the end of the day, right? Like, you know, what did I do today to take a step forward? Did I take a step backward? Um, uh, did, did I make someone else take a step backward? Uh, and, and, and how do I not do that again? I mean, I, I think that this stuff is very important and, and I think that we kind of found, I don't know, we found time, we found clarity in this pandemic to kind of sort through some of this stuff and make ourselves some promises that hopefully we keep, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I you, you glossed over it quickly, Amanda, but I did want to talk about your <laughs> guided journal project. Uh, the thing that you did during the pandemic that came out this year if i remember correctly or it, last i it came out i guess it was oh my gosh was it this year it was this year yes time and space i'm mm -hmm. like yeah. when did it but yeah it came out this year i that was very much like it wasn't going to be anything i started asking questions on twitter in 2016 when things were feeling pretty volatile uh nationally and i started um asking people questions on twitter um mostly in the realm of things like life is hard but also there are good things that we that we get out of it or there's things that we should be proud that we've overcome or that we're you know that we've grappled with well or like the people that have helped us in those times and so it was questions along that like not the toxic positivity kind of thing but more like what are you proud to have overcome you know who are the people that got you through tell me about a time a stranger did something that like you know, made things better for you. And I started just doing those just to make social media less of a hellscape sometimes. <laughs> and then what really surprised me was that people really opened up. And like, even though it was just on what was then Twitter, um, they were like, people were like putting out like these really traumatic, deep, interesting, inspiring stories of like truly complex things. And then other people would come in and instead of trolls, it was like, oh, I, this reminds me of a, of a time when I went through that or like when I lost my parent or or this other person or here's the support group that helped me with that. And um, and it kind of became uh, this really interesting thing. And they started to go viral and there were like articles and different things. And people kept saying, I wish this was a book. I wish this was a book because it's so inspiring. But I didn't feel I didn't feel okay um, using other people's stories because they weren't my stories to tell. So I was like, I can't, I'm not going to just like take these stories that people are tweeting at me and monetize that. That feels gross. And so then uh, what came out of that was this guided journal called You Already Have the Answers, where it's all the questions that I asked with like journal space. 
And then I grouped them together kind of by topic for 12 months. And I share a little bit, like a small essay in the beginning of each month's topic that has like some of my own answers, some of my own personal experiences, so that you get kind of a little bit of that we're all in it together communal vibe that was happening on social media. But it was it was never intended to be a book. Like it was just something I was really doing for me. And um, and then it kind of organically turned into a thing um, that's been kind of awesome. So Yeah. I, I mean, I have to commend you on that. I have to tell Amanda, I okay. don't miss much from Twitter ever since I left. But that, your questions, I miss tremendously. Yeah. Oh, thank you for that. It was one of those things that was going on that it started for you as most good things, right? And mm -hmm. then other people, um, it branched out and you made their day just by getting some of the things off of their chest that they are not, that maybe they don't feel allowed to talk about, mm -hmm. but it was uh, a safe space. And then they found people who experienced something similar and you created this awesome community. Yeah. So thank you for that. Yeah. Um, just wanted to put that out there. Well, yeah, well, well, yeah, and really what it was, was it was a, a sort of prescribed, prompted time for accounting, for, for processing of, of yes. tra trauma and joy and all of that stuff. And again, back to like, you know, to bring it back to the point is that we do not do that enough. So, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. Twitter, Twitter is a cesspool, but like <laughs> Ray, I look forward to getting on Twitter and, and, and seeing your posts and being like, oh, wow, this is, so I'm going to stop what I'm doing now. And I'm, I'm going right. to, you know, at least even if I'm not going to reply for everybody to see you have you have triggered something in me and I'm going to spend the next 20 minutes working through something from when I was a child or or working through a, a hope or a dream or yeah. whatever. And and I yeah, I think we need more of that in yeah. in, in life. And it's something I'm gonna that, say that a few of those have, have brought me to tears. So, yeah, yeah, I was just going to say if, if people aren't following Amanda on Twitter who are watching this start following her uh for as long as she's still on twitter or twitter and I've gotta, we've we've all got to I, I, I've moved over to blue sky as well and I it's a yeah that's why I mean and so at the moment it's a better platform uh I I am trying to there are things I have like decided about how I'm going to interact on blue sky that is more uh healthy are, 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 are you getting the engagement and everything on blue sky I mean it's not like, the same but I'm yeah, getting, yeah. considering the numbers proportionally mm -hmm. yeah I had a tweet go semi viral is too strong a world but i got i had something go get like three thousand likes yesterday and it got 60 on blue sky but when you mm -hmm. compare that's the fair. number of people on both platforms that's that's almost yeah. equivalent yeah. uh yeah, those, yeah. those three those three thousand people aren't on blue sky yet i'm trying to get them over there <laughs> yeah uh because uh it would be nice. Barbara's back. Barbara's back. Barbara's back. Barbara's back. Barbara's I back. wanted to do this, the Dean Martin, and pop back in and just say, sold all of her books. How did you show at the Tropicana go? It was amazing. Huge yeah. audience, great crowd, yeah. very responsive. Yeah. 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 Fan base was actually nominated for another Eisner in the time that, uh, that Barbara yeah. stepped away. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lies. All we were lies. Talking about Amanda's engagement tweets. And I was also going to say that, like, Engagement tweets in the wrong hands are the most horrifying, boring disaster. Like the number of people who see what you do 
and then go, hey, everybody, what's your favorite book? It's like, no, man, that's not, that ain't it. That is, that is not what Amanda is doing. Stop, <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. Or, you know, the worst case scenario where the engagement is based on pure trolling is I'm going to, there was some academic yesterday. And when I say academic, I traced him and like the school he teaches at has 140 followers on Twitter. So I'm not sure it exists but was saying like, oh, it's bad to love books. That's not academic. You're engaging with them the wrong way. That guy literally just wanted the entire world to call him an asshole for 24 hours. And he figures that out of the million people that will call him an asshole, maybe 50 contrarians will start following him and go, oh, I like the way this complete moron thinks. Um, yeah. And it's just, the thing to me, you know, and this is a, forgive me for for drifting into a, a thesis statement, but the older I get, nothing is less punk rock than cynicism and nihilism because those are the easiest fucking teenager bullshit pose in the fucking world. You know what's punk rock? Earnestness. And that's what your engagement tweets are. They are 100% earnest and sincere, and there is actually nothing more... Because the whole punk rock vibe is supposed to be, I don't care what anybody thinks. Well, if you are being sarcastic and cynical and nihilistic to impress teenagers, oh boy, do you care what people think. Uh, where is this? Like you did it better than Heather's. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. My friend Dan Waters. Here you go, Dan. I, I do you just know. want to say, I've, I've had this realization while we've been talking. Amanda, you and I have met in real life. We did. But it was... It was on the writer's block panel. So technically we've only oh, still ever right. existed. That's right. No, we have done we have done a panel together. That's right. That's yeah. right. But it was that's this funny. show. It was like mm -hmm. we, we do. But it was still here. On the show. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and honestly, I mean, when when Ryland approached me about doing this, that was really the you know, the whole concept was to sort of replace the late night hang at a convention bar, but also to bring people together to know each other and have conversations. And you know, the I'm a very early on, you know, I joined comics very late. I was 49 when I wrote my first comic. And, uh, but I, it was very easy to see that it's a really fucking small community. Uh, but even so, it's a small community doing extremely isolating jobs. Uh, the template I had for this, like when my father was a novelist, he was a member of something called the Mystery Writers of America. They would have a cocktail party once a year in New York City. And it wasn't a, it's a small group of people who all like do the same thing and have the same interests, but they didn't have any, how would they ever meet? You know, unless you have the same agent, uh, unless you live in the same, you know, on the same block, you're not going to run into each other. You know, one of dad's best friends was Robert Block, who wrote Psycho. He, he met Robert because Robert would fly into New York City for the Mystery Writers of America cocktail party. Because that was the only time in a year he got to meet his colleagues. He had to get on a plane and fly 3,000 miles to have drinks with everybody writing mystery novels in the 50s, 60s, 70s, what have you. So the convention thing, it's not just comic books. It's not just this. It's that's always been the thing. And, you know, to, to bring it around to the whole fandom thing, I still feel 58 years old. By the sixth day or third day of any convention, I'm exhausted. I want to die. I want to lie down. I need a nap. The first time I step onto a 
dealer's room floor at any convention, I won't say I move to tears, but I have a sharp intake of breath and a my people. Yeah, we, I've been we going all... to these things since I was 13 years old. Not just you know that then it was Star Trek conventions and science fiction conventions, but that thing of walking into a room and you look around at the cosplayers and the people selling old stuff and then you go, say what you will about them. These are my people. And I'm, I am, it is my honor and my privilege and my pleasure to, to walk among them and to be with them. And I always try to remember, I will, I've told this story on this show before, but I was walking down the Bayside behind the convention center one night with a couple of colleagues I will not name. And they were laughing at the people sleeping waiting for hall h and i said to one of them they bought your house man (laughs) what are you doing yeah it's goofy and i wouldn't do it i'm not you know i've i've reached a point in my life where i won't i won't i won't wait on a line more than three people deep for coffee like forget hall h i'm not i'm not doing it for a trailer that's going to be on youtube tomorrow no no i don't i don't think so but the communal experience i I get it. They want to be in a room with 5,000 people seeing, you know, the Mandalorian for the first time on a screen. They want that. And if you want that, that's fucking beautiful and that's great. And like I said, it's, you know, those people bought your house. How dare you sneer at them for loving you? (laughs) You know, how dare you sneer at them for caring so much about the thing you make that makes you happy to make it that you are, nor again, not to say that this allows the producers and the, the publishers to treat us as poorly as they do, but we have the dream jobs. This is you know? David, I, I don't, anybody who comes to my table at a convention, I give them all the time. Yep. You know, I, I'm, I just find it, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to use the word, a little bit disgusting when people are like, they have their heads down and they're not engaging with the fans that you don't know what it cost them to get there. You don't know right. what led right. them there. You don't know what they're going through. Sometimes all they need is to talk to the creator that they admire and that will get them through the next year. It can be life changing. You know, you don't know. So you not paying attention to them or treating them oh, as yeah. if I, they're just a few dollar signs. You know, I mean, that's the, this this, I this down on people like that. So I I will not name names, but a friend of mine who is a legendary comics creator himself at his first or second convention met like his favorite comic book writer ever, and the guy was a complete douchebag, and he went yeah. home. And he like he the next he got home from the convention, took his comic books to all of the comics written by that guy to his local comic book store and sold them. You know, and he you know. And it's, he ran into the same guy. And it's the thing that's like, that guy doesn't remember that interaction. Doesn't remember it at all. And I find like, when I have someone on social media, who's like a super fan, they like everything. They, every time I release a book, they're like, oh, I bought this yesterday. It's amazing. It's always, every single time someone I have met at a convention and spoken to for sometimes 10 seconds. Yes. Yes. But I made eye contact. I shook a hand or I fist bumped if it was COVID. Uh, and they, there's, there's a human need, that connection. It's why people stand in line and pay $150 for a photo with Chris Evans. Uh, yeah. People want to be able to say, 
I met Captain America and he was fucking great. He was fucking great. And, you know, we all, you know, there are artists you you have to forget what they're like in the real world. But when people say never meet your heroes, I'm like, man, get better heroes. My heroes have been awesome. This is the thing. That's also why I'm never going to meet William Shatner. This so. is the thing that differentiates like comics from other industries, though. I have a, a lot of friends who work in music, and one of them, uh, he talks about how like when he was growing up, there were all of these musicians who he wanted to know and work with, and there was always this amazing thing of, like, can you believe all of these people know each other? All of these people are friends, and they all became great, famous musicians. And he asked me once if it was the same thing in comics, and I said, no, it's absolutely not. Like, if you want to... We, we are a small enough group that if you are brand new to comics, you can probably still end up becoming friends with someone who has been doing this for 40 or 50 years, who is who was your hero when you were a kid, because we're all just behind the same tables, you know? Yeah. We're all, like, I, not to blow up his ego too much, but recently I've had someone comment to me that they're amazed that I know Charlie. And, and I always have to say that, like, Charlie and I met at a fucking Halloween party that I thought was a costume party that wasn't. And I was dressed as the Hamburglar, and he was dressed as a regular, fully grown adult man. And we became friends. The Hamburglar is a regular, fully grown adult man. I just feel like, yeah, well, grown, like I won't burger. stand still for well, a Hamburglar. Uh, That's true. Uh, yeah, I, I, like yeah I, I also don't think that it needs to be Halloween for Richard to show up uh, at a party <laughs> dressed up like the Hamburglar. So I, I, I don't know if that's that's. But sorry, much. continue with your story, Richard. Without <laughs> the Hamburglar, my, my, I mean, by the way, I can't reach my Hamburglar costume from here. I'm not going to. Um, there is, there is a real sense that, like, uh, from the outside, people look and go, "Oh my God, how do you know this person? How can you right. have this thing?" And it's like because it's comics. Yeah. If I like. We have been like Twitter long before Twitter has existed. Oh, sure. We're able to, yes. you know, yeah. I could I could always walk up to, I, I don't know, I could always walk up to Dave McKean at a con and say, hi, I'm Richard. Let's be comic friends because we both fucking make comic books. And that's right. actually enough in common yeah. for you to, you know, yeah, I was at New York Comic Con with my wife. <laughs> who knows what a big Matt Wagner fan I am. And I've met Matt at a handful of cons over the years. And I walked into Artist Alley morning one and I hear a voice say, hey, David. And I look over and it's Matt Wagner and he walked, he waves me over. And as we're walking towards him, my wife whispers in my ear, I bet that feels pretty good. <laughs> and I was like, it sure the fuck does. <laughs> you know. Mm. And then shortly thereafter, uh, Greg Hildebrandt, whose art I grew up, like I got the Tolkien, Greg and Tim Hildebrandt, Tolkien calendar when I was probably 14 ripped all the pages out and put them on my wall he did a, a cover for Betty Page number one uh, he sells the painting for $10,000 I, I cannot afford that but I went over and introduced myself to him and we had a conversation for a half hour and I was like his paintings were on my wall when I was 14 years old you know and that's uh, the privilege of that Hollywood is similar but it's way harder and way bigger to develop that but there's something about um it's something about the community of the arts in general uh, my father wrote a fan letter to gene kelly once kelly was in the hospital and dad had a novel that he had dedicated to kelly and he sent it to him 
as sort of a sent to the hospital, send this to Gene Kelly's room. And after he got out of the hospital, Kelly sent him a thank you note. And they started a correspondence, which culminated in us actually all having dinner together in uh, 1987. And that was the first time it occurred to me that, yes, there's a division between fan and artist. But among artists, there's a whole, you're, you do this, I do this. We're the, you know, It's not that Gene Kelly thinks, oh, a mystery writer is the same as the most influential dance filmmaker of the 20th century. But it's a different thing when a novelist says, you're pre-vetted in a way. Of like, this is a serious human who has written a bunch of books. Publishers have dealt with him. He has an agent. Like, I'm not just dealing with someone off the street. And you do get, you do get some currency from the fact that you're, we're all fighting. It's not, I wouldn't call it snobbery. I think there would be a, there would be an impulse to look at it that way. But I think it's more that you're just another, you're in the same trench as I'm in. And there's, there's a degree to which the Gene Kellys of this world are in the same trenches as someone writing mystery novel paperbacks. And I would also sort of add on to that. Comics is particular in that there's very little money in it. Mm -hmm. So most people who are doing it do it because they love it. So right. if you are wanting to get into comics, it's probably because you love the same thing as these people who are you know, already doing it. Uh, unless you're delusional. And there's plenty right. of people who are delusional getting into comics. And I quickly try to tell them, this is what you can expect to make. Um, I, I, I told this story once before, but I had a general meeting probably at one of these production companies on one of the water bottle tours that you guys were referring to earlier, where um, the woman who was taking the meeting with me, and she was like the head of production of the company was like, hey, so my, my husband, um, you know, he's kind of stalled out as like a lower level mid writer on TV shows. Do you think maybe he could go into comics? You know, she's like, he's only making like a hundred, hundred and fifty thousand $150,000 a year. I'm looking oh, for man. something that might be a little bit more lucrative for her. Right? <laughs> and like, I was just like, well, you know, it's like, but it's like there is that outside. Has he considered that. taking on a paper route? Right, right. Uh, like, but, right. But the other thing I want to add is, is particularly this panel. And this may be why that these are people that you've had on multiple times. Like everyone here is so good at being welcoming and helping new creators. I remember the first time that I met Amanda and Kat and it was at Long Beach Comic Con and they could not have been nicer and maybe they had heard of me, maybe they hadn't, but at least they pretended to be friendly <laughs> and welcoming and it, it felt good. And uh, you know, I mean, Richard was the handler, but he was still friendly. Uh, you know, Ray and, and Barbara does so much. Well, only because you had no hams to burgle at that's that okay. time. Wait, wait, wait. Well, yeah, I, I want to be really, you know, if you've been holding a so, shank in your so hands, that would have been gone. David, David they were serving hamburg hamburgers. I want to be so clear on that. And I didn't steal any all <laughs> you but missed your just, opportunity richard you yeah, yeah i'm i'm kind of let down by that honestly yeah yeah <laughs> uh-oh it's just had him down as he was leaving the party though oh no oh, wow but just in general this is a a group really of amazing people if i wear the hat who, yeah. who definitely contribute so much to helping new creators in the community and they are so welcoming so again if you're listening to this or watching this podcast go at least follow everyone else uh, up here because they are wonderful people. Yeah, comics, comics is a team sport. 
Yeah. You know, yeah. We all went together or we all died together. And I think yes. that um, I think what we're all talking about is that every once in a while you meet somebody and you recognize that 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 same sort of, you know, glint in their eye that they know it, that they've subscribed to that. Right. That they're they're part of the community, that they're there to lift people up. Um, and sometimes there's an endorsement from somebody, you know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, it's once a month that, that Charlie hits me up and says, Hey, you need to meet this person. He's, you know, he, he's one of us, she's one of us. Um, and, and I know immediately. And then I, I talk to the person for five minutes and, and, and it's clear, it, it's made immediately clear, um, that they're, they're, they have come to help, right. They have come to start shoveling with the rest of us. And, and that's such an important thing. And that was, you know, this this show was about bringing all those people together and you know i i think the best parties are you don't really throw a party for yourself i think if it's going to be the best party right um you throw a party because you know all these amazing people and you want to get them into one room together and you want them all to fall in love with each other right and 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 that happens some of my best friendships are well you know a good friend of mine invited me over and said hey you know you you got to meet this dude you're you guys are really going to hit it off and that you know that person becomes one of my best friends um that's what this was supposed to be uh uh you know i was i was really close with abalone um abalone had introduced me to you know um more than a few people you know in the time that i knew him and they were all great people and uh and, and i know that he's he and i make a good pair he is good at stuff that i'm not good at and we complement each other we're like yin and yang you know we we we, we fit together uh in an interesting way and, um, you know, it was just about us getting together and say, hey, who are the 10 best people, you know, and introduce me to them, you know, mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and 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 I did the same. And, and, and then we have people like you guys on and and we're like, hey, who are the 10 best people that, you know, and yeah. and this thing grows, you know, it becomes this it, it, it is now a 100 episode party that <laughs> spills into conventions and everywhere else. And, and, and I'm, I'm, you know. Uh, I feel blessed. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, lucky to be a part of this, uh, which feels weird saying it because, uh, you know, I guess I, 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 I lit the match that started this, you, this fire, yeah, this fire a long did. time this, ago. But yeah, this, this was not my idea. I frequently say, you know, in 2020, I started hosting two podcasts. And if you had told me that in 2019, I would have said, does the world end? Like, why, how does that happen? And the answer is yes, yes. When the world ends, some people hoard gasoline. I want to do the version of Mad Max where it's like, wow, everybody started a podcast somehow. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how that helps you survive, but cool. Cool, cool. Um, but it 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 absolutely helped uh me survive. And you know, both podcasts gave me a reason to put on clothes and comb my hair and you know, not just simply lie around in in absolute despair. Uh and you know, and kept the Kept the, I'm, I'm fond of saying when I do panels on um, networking and all that, you know, ask not what comics can do for you, ask what you can do for comics. And I, you know, that's a little bit tongue in cheek. But I find that as a community, you get back what you put into it and the people that isolate themselves from it find themselves out in a very cold place. And the people that embrace it as a community and want to be a part of it tend to be treated well by it and tend to make these friendships and these connections. And in the fullness of time, you know, you work together, you, you know, you, you support one another 
You are one another's cheerleaders. There used to be a column in Spy Magazine in the 80s called Log Rolling in Our Time, where they would find two authors who had blurbed themselves, blurbed each other on their new album. It would be like Jonathan Franzen. This is the greatest book I've ever read. Michael Jabon. Michael Jabon book. This is the greatest book I've ever read. Jonathan Franzen. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we, you know, we we do that for one another. But the thing is, I think the 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 hidden thing there though is mm -hmm. that uh Michael Jabon does actually think that Franzen book is pretty great and vice versa. Or they would say, I'm too busy. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, here's the thing is, if I get a book from anybody on this panel, I know what has gone into it. I know I know how much of, of themselves that they've poured into this thing. I know that it's about something. I know that they were taking a risk. I know that it was like hundreds of hours of intense, you know, uh, 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 just soul pounding work. Um, and before I've even read it, I have no I have no trouble endorsing it. I, I know that it is going to be uh, an experience. Uh, it may be enjoyable. It may be gut wrenching. Um, it may just be. It may be a high wire act. And 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 even if it is a a a failure, you know, objectively, like there will be something incredible about reading it, experiencing it. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, uh, and I won't do that for everybody. You know, um, uh, you know, but. But I, I I think that I think that everybody has their their crew of friends and you know yeah no I I think that's I think that's definitely true so, and... so what you're saying is pretty much everyone here is a better writer than friends and because that's that's what I'm hearing <laughs> I just wanted yeah. to clarify yeah. I, think, I think that's fair <laughs> the takeaway quote yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 friends it's it is a it is a tricky it is a tricky thing and you you know you I've said this before also but that you know when someone uh says you know all so you like everything that all of your friends do it's like maybe i don't like everything but if someone is delusional about their level of talent it's not the only thing wrong with them as a human being it's not the only thing they're delusional about if you meet an actor who thinks they're a great actor and they're not good their their self-awareness is bad and you shouldn't maybe be very close friends with someone whose self-awareness is that bad. Uh, all of the actors I'm friends with are enormously talented. And it's not that I'm choosing them because they're talented. It's because they have self-awareness and they haven't dedicated their lives to a career they're not terribly good at. Um, and I think it's, uh, I sometimes think um, kindness is the prime virtue, but a very close second is self-awareness. Because if, if you don't, you know, it's nice to be kind as, kind as a reflex, but to do it with intention, uh, to do everything with intention, to know why you do what you do. And that makes it easier to say, I was wrong and I'm sorry. Also, if you know why you do what you do, it makes it easier to deal with failure if you know what you do, why you do what you do. So uh, I, I, I will always be in favor of self-awareness. It also, P.S., makes you very hard to insult. Um, someone once said, <laughs> accused me of being smug. I'm like, you got to come up with something better than that, man. I am smug as all fucking get out. I, you know, like, yeah, I'm condescending. I'm condescending to you because you're an idiot is the thing. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, you don't want to hear me be condescending. Be smarter. I, I don't. I don't know what else to tell you. 
but it's not, you know, it's like telling me I'm short. Yes, I've been aware of this since sometime in, uh, I think Ronald Reagan was president when I became aware of how short I am. Uh, not a not a thing that's going to hurt my feelings unless I was walking around this world thinking, no, but I'm tall. It's like, no, I'm, I'm not. It's fine. It's great. You know, every once in a while, someone on Twitter will get in some fight with me and they're like, okay, comic book writer. And I'm like, yes, I have a dream job that I love. Uh, you're right. I should feel terrible about that. <laughs> you know, like, what a strange, uh, you know, and then they try to like, oh, you're a failure. I'm like, go to a comic book store and, uh, you know, ask them what I've got out recently and you can gauge my failure or not. Fail. You know, it's like, Okay, <laughs> if if you think so, I think I'm doing pretty good. All right, I but, have you know, to. When my career was n not good, which it was for many years in film, particularly, I didn't. I wasn't under some. It's like, oh, I'm a, I'm, I'm, I should have, be getting Oscars for this stuff. No, not particularly. Not the movies I'm working on. Fuck no. I have I'm to making, pull the. I'm making media. I'm making the mediocre watchable. That's that's not uh, no Oscars for that. Sadly. I mean that's not true. Um, but I uh, I need to <laughs> I need to pull the Barbara card and disappear for another appointment. Um, well, I think actually this is a good time for us to start our wrap up. So why don't we begin with you, Richard? All right. Tell us where. Tell the kids where they can find you. What you've got coming soon, etc. Uh, you can find me on uh, richardfairgray.com. Um, you can find my whatever my current Kickstarter is at kickrichard.com. <laughs> I am Richard Fairgray uh, on all social media, except for on Instagram, where I'm Richard Fairgray author, because I lost the login information for Richard Fairgray. Yeah, well. Uh, my next book is Haunted Hill Volume 2, which should hit Kickstarter late October. And then uh, after that, things are a little unknown, whether I'm going to release my sexy Danny DeVito book or something else. So we'll see. Um if this We're all very up, excited about the sexy Danny DeVito book. Yeah, yeah. It's let, gonna let, be, let's hope it's Danny. It's going to be the horniest book I've ever done. Um, but I, I might be saving it. Listen, I don't want to put the cart before the horse here, but there might be some talks of it being a gallery show as well as a book. At oh, this point. Wow. Um, and there might be a body pillow involved. Uh, so you know, stay tuned. Uh. But, you know, you can find me everywhere. If this thing comes out before Saturday, Barbara and I will be at Collector's Paradise in North Hollywood signing copies of Four Color Heroes. Well, it will not, it. sadly. It's going to be next Wednesday, which well, will be the... take that, losers. You all missed out on our cool signing. But, the 11th? Um... Wednesday the 11th? But yes, the signing was great. I had a wonderful time. We will also... Uh, uh, Richard uh, stole hamburgers. <laughs> I smashed an amp with a guitar. It was awesome. Barbara, do you want me in costume this weekend? Yes, please. Okay. Always. You guys are going to miss a hamburger con. Well, thank you so much, Richard, uh, for joining us. When you need to pop out. Yes, I've got to jump. So. All right. Um, Bye, everyone. Bye, Richard. Ray, why don't you fill everybody in on where they can get to you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram uh, when I'm on. I'm kind of like um, a hermit sort of these days but um on are you on the blue sky you're on the blue sky right i am i am okay. i mean that's my only like truly personal um you know when i left twitter i went to blue sky and i'm doing all you know a lot of personal stuff there um and it's fun i like it you know it's it's quiet and my group is mostly the people that i already know yeah uh so i think that's great um 
so yeah, but anyway, yeah, find me at Art of R A Height on Instagram. And um, you know what's coming out for me is uh, I think the Aquaman tie-in that I told you about, um, Aquaman: The Lost Kingdom number one special. Uh, that's I think the on Halloween. Uh, it comes out on Halloween. So nice. Um, and it it is my last official uh, big two work actually. No. So I'll never say never, Ray. Well, you know what. I, I'll say it's my last for now, for the time yeah. being. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. there's always a window. It's always open. But if I'm doing the things that I want to do at the level I want to do them, the chance and that window gets really Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, I, I get that. It is that thing where a lot of times fans will ask creators on panels and on social media, like, what's your dream project? And they really all want you to say Batman or Spider-Man. Yes, they really do. They yes. really do. And that's, <clears throat> I certainly well, hope no DC really or Marvel editors are listening while I say, the first time I had an opportunity to pitch at, at Marvel, to Joe Casada himself, I was like, well, I really love Nick Fury. And he was like, don't, don't fucking pitch Nick Fury to me, man. Like, I can't, what am I going to do with Nick Fury? And then he also said, and they have schedules and rules and yeah. things. Although, yeah. but I, I, have, I have come up with some ideas that I, I should never have posted on um and here's the thing like i feel like there's a, a unimind where we all come up with similar ideas it's just a matter of who comes up with it first so i posted this whole thing about the x-men where they resurrect sink and a few other people and then they basically there's mutants who investigate uh hate crimes not just against mutants but of bipoc and what they, they ended up doing the damn thing i was not a part of it um yeah. but they ended up doing it and I thought to myself, holy crap, you know, I'm never going to do that again. And, um, you know, not to say that it wasn't in the, in the cooker already. Right. But I do believe that it's one of those things that if I had, let's say, it, it worked better for the X-Men because these are known quantities mm-hmm. and people really love those uh, characters. So I think in that space, it worked so much better. Me trying to do it for myself, I would have to get as close to their IP as possible without mm-hmm. actually stealing it for right. it to make any and I don't yeah. want to have to do that. So, uh, yeah. but, you know, good idea is a good idea. So, yeah. um, you know, but anyway, yeah, that's, that's my crap. You can find me just, I'm, I'm the only Ray Anthony height. Uh, just Google me, man. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good thing to have an unusual name in that respect, as yes. I'm sure uh, Ryland and Amanda and Charlie Stickney. <laughs> well, I don't know how, com- how common a name is Barbara Dylan, Barbara. Have you- I get, I get those notifications from Google all the time where I've died. Uh, oh, usually wow. like at least wow. once a week so yeah wow. a lot. nice, <laughs> nice. Uh, Charlie why don't you tell people where you can be found and what you got coming up well I mean I can be found as Charlie Stickney on uh, Blue Sky because I got in there early enough on Twitter I'm still Charles Stickney because I didn't want to be Charlie Stickney 7982 or something because uh, then you know people would think I was a bot uh, <laughs> but, but aside from that uh, I'm coming back to Kickstarter for one last party on October 16th nice. uh, with the newest issue of Glarian, part of the White Ash universe. And I'm very excited about that. It's one of my favorite things I have gotten to writ- write at this point. Um, going back to living your dream job, that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm creating characters that I love and I've found a fan base that loves it. So I couldn't be happier. And I'm, again, I just want to say happy 100th birthday to the writer's block. <laughs> Thank uh, you. 
hopefully you guys will still like me when you get to 200 episodes. I'm sure you will still be in the top five people we've ever had on the show. Uh, Amanda, what you got going on? Where can people find you? Um, you can find me pretty much anywhere at Amanda Dibert. So I'm still on the artist formerly known as Twitter, but also on Blue Sky, also on TikTok. On Instagram, I am Amanda Dibert Official. And that's just because I have two accounts and one has pictures of my child and that one's private. Um, <laughs> and then uh, let's see, coming up, I've got um, got a Rocket and Groot co- graphic novel coming out for Scholastic and Marvel, which is really Great. fun in December. Um, and I'm really excited right now, especially because it's October, uh, Death Mask, which is, uh, it's, you know, a detective serial killer graphic novel as part of Storm King's Dark and Twisted line. But there's um, there's a lot of things about it that are very like kind of unexpected and fun. It's very gory, very violent. So if you like if you like horror, it's definitely more in like the horror thriller area um, than uh, but but also murder mystery. Um, so that's very fun. And then because this is coming out on Wednesday on Friday the 13th, um, I have a show that I wrote on that's premiering on Peacock, John Carpenter's Suburban Screams. Oh, fun. And I will just say that there's one episode that uh, that John directed, and it was written by somebody. Wow. Um, and that's all I'll say about that. But I'm excited uh, for that one to premiere as well. And while, uh, I'll be at New York Comic Con uh, that weekend as well. That's amazing. Talk about like a positive meet your heroes experience. Oh, he's wonderful. <laughs> like to have John Carpenter direct something. That's uh that's 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 pretty wild. And uh last but certainly not least, who we started with, we will now conclude with Barbara Dillon. Hello. Um, first and foremost, I want to echo uh congratulations again on hundred episodes. This has been an amazing podcast to experience and to listen to and watch uh over the past few years. So thank you for that. Um for fanbase press, we will uh we will be at New York Comic Con as well. Uh we're keeping our fingers crossed for the Harvey Awards on Friday night. So uh that'll be very exciting. Um, but otherwise we've got a few more shows and signings this year. Uh, and we've got lots in the hopper for next year that we haven't yet announced. So very excited about that. Um, uh, but we're on all of the social medias. And likewise, if you yourself are a creator, if you have a new project coming up or if you need advice on how to navigate this wonderful and chaotic industry never hesitate to reach out. We are available through email, social media, et cetera, and happy to help in any way we can. Fantastic. And join us for the Saturday morning call. Yes. Uh, which you can find a link to on all fan base press socials, I believe. Exactly. Uh, Ryland? I am at Ryland Grant on all forms of social media. That is R-Y-L-E-N-D-G-R-A-N-T. I always spell it because it's not a real name. My parents just drunkenly arranged letters and saddled me with it. And so now I have to uh, spell it for you. Um, I don't want to write Spider-Man. I don't want to write Batman. Uh, I would write Johnny Lawrence. Uh, I would write Mr. T. Um I may have written Darkwing Duck, but there is a uh, a woman who's doing it much better uh, than I would have. So I've crossed that one off the list. Fair. Uh, big fan of that book. Um, but if you are interested in the things I've written uh, uh, previously, um, I have a, a backer kit shop. That's kind of a one-stop shop. If you go to the jump3.backerkit.com, there's plenty of signed things and uh, uh, rare con variants and all sorts of fun 
um you know of course there's uh you know there's stuff on amazon and in fine comic shops and all of that um i think i will be returning to kickstarter fairly soon uh probably with another peacekeepers campaign um still trying to talk myself into it uh, <laughs> uh but look for that uh watch the social media and i'll let you know when that's dropping um movie announcements coming soon uh i'll have a couple of movies out uh you know um probably before the end of the year uh we'll see how that breaks um yeah and then i'm waiting for this actor strike to wrap up so the the tv show can get going but um yep. more on that soon so i'm uh I, i'm in a holding pattern on stuff still uh the writers are back to work but our actors are not so uh yep. so can't do anything without uh those wonderful people um but uh thank you from me uh for listening to uh to a hundred of these um i think uh i think we've had some damn good conversations and uh I think I'm better for it. And hopefully um, you guys that are listening and watching are better for it. Um, hopefully we've, I think we've introduced you to some wonderful people and I'm, uh, sure. I'm happy to have gotten to know them uh, and to be able to introduce them to you. So um, thanks for listening and keep on listening. Uh, bring us home, Avaloni, as per usual for the hundredth yeah. time. For the hundredth time, I'm David Avaloni. I can be easily Googled with that uh, name that was so easily <laughs> made fun of in grade school. Suck on that, Tom Callahan. No one can find you now. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think I'm the first 12 pages of Google on David Avaloni because it's an unusual enough combination of names. Um, and uh, I'm on the Twitter and the blue sky or the shitter, as I like to call it, and uh, the Instagrams and the Facebooks and, and whatnot. Uh, Elvira in Monsterland number five is probably at your local comic book store. Uh, that wraps up that. We have Elvira meets H.P. Lovecraft coming uh, early next year. Um, I avoided writing about H.P. Lovecraft for a really long time. And I went, well, but Elvira doesn't have to put up with him being a dead racist bigot. Uh, so if she talks about that all the time, then you can write about H.P. Uh, Lovecraft all you like. <laughs> as long as you write about him as he really was and not try to pretend he was uh, something that he wasn't. Edgar Allan Poe wasn't particularly nice either. Just for the record, uh, but none of not not nice people. Uh, married a fourteen-year-old. Just you know, Google it. Not good. Um, but the hard field not not full of great guys at the turn of the twentieth century. But all that to say, um, the uh, and I've got and drawing blood with Kevin Eastman and Ben Bishop and Troy Little is coming from Image in February. Hasn't quite hit the solicits yet uh i am nine issues ahead of writing which is such so incredibly unusual in this field but i'm pretty happy about it and uh i want to i want to thank all of the guests we've had but particularly the group that joined us today you were chosen with great intention uh we wanted this to be our favorite people the people who've been on the show the most uh the people that we could count on to come back on uh and and always have in you know something positive and interesting and enlightening to say uh and you know finally and i want to thank the listeners obviously um and you know the tellies and the communicators i'm sorry i always make jokes about never having heard of the communicator before <laughs> sure it's very sure it's a very important award and uh i'm not a person who wins awards it's, so i'm very it's hands it's handsome right yeah See, there you go it's like an emmy but she dropped the ball <laughs> basically They're no good drop the ball yeah. if you put the two of them together you almost get a, an emmy so let's just say we won an emmy um but mostly <laughs> uh, as he plays with the action figures mostly i want to thank <laughs> Lyle and grant for uh for giving birth to this thing 
for asking me to join him and be his co-host. Uh, it's been a wonderful ride. Uh, we may go on hiatus for a bit after this one, uh, but we we will return. But James Bond will return. Uh, we will come back for more episodes uh, with more of these amazing people. Thank you for joining us on the 100th episode of The Writer's Block. Thanks, all. If you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to smash that like button. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or other fine purveyors of ear crack, please leave us a five-star review. And wherever you're watching and or listening, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. We'll see you back here next week for more madcap hijinks on The Writer's Block. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.